0: On today's show, Ime Udoka will be repping the Houston Rockets at this year's NBA Draft Lottery. How the NBA coaching landscape is changing rapidly and why the Rockets were so smart to lock up Ime Udoka very quickly and early in the offseason. Also, Boston clearly missing Ime Udoka, how that will impact the Rockets' potential pursuit of Jalen Brown, as well as his eligibility for the Supermax contract extension. All of that and more coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green, Alperon Shingun, and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder. Somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six. heads up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. For today's show. Give me your predictions on where the Rockets are going to land in the NBA draft lottery that fateful day just right around the corner. Tuesday night, going to change the fabric of the NBA. The NBA landscape will forever be changed depending on the outcome of this draft lottery. As always, thank you so much for making Lockdown Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, at the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. A lot to get to today. Uh, we'll open talking a little bit about Udoka and the NBA coaching landscape. And I want to get into a little bit of exactly what's going on with the Boston Celtics as they are on the verge of potentially losing this best of seven series against the Philadelphia 76ers. And it's funny because there's narratives kind of on both sides of that series as it relates back to the Houston Rockets with the Celtics and Joe Missoula instead of Ime Doka and Jalen Brown possibly pursuing him down the line and the potential return of James Harden. There's a lot of storylines there that involve the Rockets, surprisingly. And then also a little bit of news and some lottery practice later on in the episode. Uh, We'll do some lottery previews. I've got a new lottery simulator that I wish I had known about like a month ago. And we're going to test that out in the closing days leading into the draft lottery. But let's start with Emo Doka, he will be representing the Houston Rockets at the NBA Draft Lottery. Uh, it's exciting that he is you know, going to be the, the face of this next phase of the Rockets rebuild, right? He is going to be uh, one of the mainstays of phase two. And so for him to be the guy to represent the Rockets in the lottery is pretty cool, all things considered. You know, I joked about it originally that, you know, he might be the guy that gets sent as, as the representative or that they might, you know, do Jalen or Jabari or, you know, something like that. But I think it's pretty cool that Udoka is going to be the guy repping the Rockets Tuesday evening when their fate is decided uh, for better or for worse. Hopefully he can bring uh, bring some good luck with him. But what I do want to focus on here momentarily is what's going on around the NBA landscape, right? With so many different head coaches being removed. Uh, So the Milwaukee Bucks fired Budenholzer after a really disappointing end to his season. And there were a lot of, you know, there's a lot going on in in Budenholzer's personal life. He lost his brother, similar to, you know, it's painful losing a family member, similar to the Steven Silas situation earlier this season. Like, you know, that that stuff hurts, right? The -the off-the-court stuff is... Important to factor in, but at the same time, the Bucks disappointed heavily in, in this year's postseason. So they moved on from Budenholzer. The Phoenix Suns, after getting absolutely embarrassed against the Nuggets and losing yet another elimination game in embarrassing fashion in back-to-back years, moved on from Monty Williams. So that's two teams, two ready-made contending teams that could have absolutely been in play for Ime Udoka, this off season. And we still don't know what's going to happen with the Denver Nuggets and Michael Malone. We still don't know what's going to happen with the 76ers and doc rivers. We also don't know what's going to happen with Joe Missoula and the Boston Celtics, because the way it sounds from Celtics players, and we're going to get into this a little bit more in segment two. It, it kind of sounds like they're taking shots at Joe Missoula, Honestly, they're, they're active head coach and, and how things are going in that series against the Sixers. Right. And the Celtics were, you know, top team in the conference. Like, you know, they, they, They had high expectations placed on them, I should say. And basically, my point here, and it bears repeating, because I feel like I've made this point before, but I want to echo it again. The Rockets identified Ime Odoka as their guy. Very early on in the process, right? They didn't even get to round two of interviews. Round two of interviews was going to be Udoka, Vogel, and then they were going to bring in Nick Nurse. And no, they identified Udoka, and they sold Udoka on the Vision in Houston. And the point that is worth considering here is, despite all of the national media hubbub and, and, you know, all the bad culture in Houston and nobody wants to be there and, you know, don't send Wimby to Houston, you know, all this stuff, all those terrible national media narratives, not only were the Rockets able to identify Udoka and sell him on the vision in Houston, Udoka wanted... To be in Houston and and whatever vision they sold him on whatever idea he has for the future of this franchise he was completely sold on and I think that's important because Udoka had to have known he was one of the top coaches on the marketplace this offseason and he could have very easily played the waiting game. Right. He could have very easily waited until the playoffs were all said and done, or at least until the playoffs were a little bit further along, right? Maybe to the finals or so, and seen what other potential opportunities would have opened up. Because he absolutely would have been a front runner for the Bucks job or the Suns job. Or if there's another spot that opens up, again, we already know that the Toronto job was open and that they had interest in pursuing. Udoka as well, and he took a look at that situation. And was like, mm, I'm good, thank you. But there are plenty of opportunities that still may other spots may still open up, right? Denver with Malone, Sixers with Doc Rivers, and then also possibly, well, I guess Boston is kind of off the table. Uh, but that is another job that could be opening up uh, depending on how Boston seasons in, Boston's season ends with Joe Missoula. And so the point here is that. Not only did the Rockets identify their target and they didn't waste any time and they went out and got their guy. Udoka also chose Houston because if he wanted to, as one of the top coaches on the marketplace this offseason, he very easily could have just waited. He could have told the Rockets, hey, I'm really interested in the position, but I've got to think some things over. I want to take some time. Right? He could have taken he could have taken two weeks to think about the Rockets offer and Budenholzer would have gotten fired, and then he could have gone and interviewed for the Bucks job, right? And he could have had a chance to go coach Giannis. Or he could have a chance to go, could have had a chance to go coach Booker and KD in Phoenix. And he didn't worry about that, right? He wasn't, you know, worried about angling for the best possible win now situation. And again, I do think there is something of a redemption element to. A lot of the storylines on this Rockets team, right? The organization has been in a bad place for three years during stage one of the rebuild. So, organizationally, they want to redeem themselves and show, hey, we're a competent organization. We know what we're doing. Kevin Porter Jr.'s redemption storyline is as an individual storyline. Tillman Fertitta... And the Rockets ownership group, despite having, I think, done a really good job during the rebuild era, had some question marks and came under scrutiny when they first took over the team with James Harden at the end of the James Harden era. So there are a bunch of like redemption storylines here. And I think Udoka very clearly is at the forefront of that redemption storyline. So rather than being, you know, tossed into the fire into a situation where the the barometer for success is championship or bust. Not only is, was he sold on the long-term vision and possible success here in Houston, but it's also just a different set of expectations. Right now, he gets to come into a situation where he is the leader. He's establishing his own culture from the ground up. And I think that had to have been really exciting for him to not necessarily have all that pressure of walking into a situation and basically being like, all right, you got to go get us a title this year, man. Finals are bust. Let's go. Whereas with the Rockets, now he's going to be able to grow this team, build this team up, and take steps towards what is hopefully... A, I mean, a dynasty would be great, but I'm not going to set that up. Just, you know, a, a, a contender further down the line. So I feel like it, it's it's worth mentioning that and how quickly the NBA landscape shifts and why it was so important and how much credit, again, the Rockets organization deserves. But also credit to Ime Odoka, right? Credit on both sides for making this marriage happen. And moving forward and bringing a lot of hope and optimism to Rockets fans everywhere. So coming up, I do want to talk about some of what's going on in Boston currently. They are sorely missing Ime Doka. And they actually have a chance to, you know, get bounced here uh, against the 76ers. And it would be a disappointing postseason run, all things considered for Boston. How does that impact the Houston Rockets? Some of the different storylines on both sides of that series, the Boston side and the 76ers side. And as it relates back to the Houston Rockets, we're going to get there in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head over to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to the My Garage section of the website and look for the green check to know that the part will fit or your money back And continuing on here at Lockdown Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Be sure to tune back in throughout the week as we have it covered for all the NBA draft lottery coverage, as well as all the implications and everything that's going to happen with the draft. It's going to be... My soul, my heart is not ready for Tuesday evening, but it's almost here, so we have to be ready for it. Time moves on. All right. Let's focus a little bit here on the Boston Celtics because... As it relates back to the Houston Rockets, Jalen Brown has been a name that Rockets fans have been foaming at the mouth for for quite some time. And in the aftermath of the Rockets signing Emi Odoka, the rumors and speculation about Jalen Brown have gotten even more significant, right? Jalen Brown has a strong connection with Emi Odoka. Those two guys really care for one another. Jalen Brown loved having Emeo Doke as a coach. And with Jalen Brown's future in Boston being this gigantic, like seven, 72 size font, bold faced question mark, it is pretty easy to point to the Houston Rockets as a potential destination for JB because of all those factors, right? And the Rockets have a ton of cap space. And now that doesn't matter this offseason because Jalen Brown still has one more year left on his deal. However... Here's the issue. Jalen Brown made it to an all-NBA team this season. Therefore, he qualifies for the designated veteran, like, Supermax extension. Basically, he can make a ton of money. And, however, right now, I don't know if it's necessarily a given that the Celtics will actually extend that offer to Jalen Brown because Jason Tatum is also going to be available, is also going to be eligible for that. I believe next off season when his, when it's time for his extension to kick in. So do the Celtics want to be locked in incredibly long-term to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown as their two-man core? Because there is some redundancy with that core, right? And, and You know, they're both wings. They both do a lot of the same things on the court. Is that the best two-man game to be locked into, right? We've talked ad nauseum here on this very podcast about some of the uh, nature, the duplicative nature of Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. And how having basically two guys who do the same stuff on the court is not necessarily the best thing. It's kind of the same situation with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. There's a reason that there have been question marks in the past about how well those two guys can ultimately work together as a dynamic duo. So as it stands right now, with question marks kind of lingering over Jalen Brown's desire to stay in Boston long-term, as well as the direction the Celtics are heading as a franchise, they may or may not make it out of Game 7 here against the 76ers Sunday afternoon on Mother's Day. Shout out to Mother's Day. All you know, Happy Mother's Day to everybody, all mothers involved. You guys are the real heroes. you the real MVP. Um, it makes things a little bit trickier as... For the Rockets to potentially pursue Jalen Brown. Because one, if the Celtics do offer Jalen Brown the extension, uh he I, I think he signs it immediately. Regardless if he wants to be in Boston long term, he signs the Supermax extension and he deals with the fallout later if he if he's not happy in Boston, right? He just demands a trade and calls it a day. It's basically how all-star players function in today's NBA. So if the Celtics offer the extension, Jalen Brown's gonna sign it. I think that's a guarantee. And then he'll just figure out his future later on. Um, I don't think it's a guarantee that the Celtics actually offer the deal. And if they don't offer the deal, that's when things get really interesting because it becomes readily apparent that if they don't offer him the deal, that they don't envision him in Boston long-term. And that's when the clock starts ticking on potentially trading Jalen Brown to a new team or just letting him walk outright in free agency. Now, they're not going to let JB walk in free agency next summer. That was kind of the hope is that maybe the Rockets could be smart about their cap space and, you know, bring in some expiring deals or sign some guys to, you know, some team-friendly contracts where you just give them a balloon payment for this first season and then they all fall off the books next offseason and you could kind of roll the cap space over to 2024 and go pursue Jalen Brown that way. That one is probably off the table at this point because Jalen Brown's future is either A, signing the extension and staying with Boston through at least next season and then becoming trade eligible because if he signs the Supermax deal, he cannot be traded for a year. So there's that. Or B, Boston doesn't want to sign him to the Supermax deal or they offer him less than the full Supermax. He says no and then they're at a stalemate where then they have to try and figure out how to trade him. That is where the Rockets could possibly jump in and pursue Jalen Brown assuming, again, the Celtics don't want to offer him that contract. So I think... All this is just really important to monitor this entire situation because Jalen Brown is one of those names that if you could get your hands on him as the Houston Rockets and, and reunite him with Emeo Doka and put him around this extremely young Rockets core, that's the type of player that can help kind of bring you back into relevancy. And even though he might not be the Rockets' number one option a couple of years from now, he would right away become the Rockets' best player immediately, and he would easily be able to make life, you know, uh, a lot more comfortable for guys like Jalen Green, Jabari, Shingoon if he's still on the roster, depending on what you would have to trade to get Jalen Brown. And that's the other hard part is, what would you be willing to give up if you're the Houston Rockets to trade for Jalen Brown right now, this offseason? How much would you be willing to give up for him? Would you be willing to give up this year's pick if it falls down to the three, four, five, six range? Would you give up Shingun? Would you give up Kevin Porter Jr.? What would you be willing to part with to trade for Jalen Brown right now if it becomes evident that the Boston Celtics don't believe in his long-term fit in Boston? So a lot of different factors to consider. And here's the other crazy part is amongst all of this, with Joe Mazzula, who's been getting outcoached by Doc Rivers in this Celtics Sixers series to this point, and TBD still on game seven, but Different Celtics players have been kind of throwing some, like, shooting strays, you know, and, you know, calling out Missoula a little bit. So here's one from Marcus Smart, uh, to, and they're talking about uh, Missoula putting Rob Williams back in the starting lineup, which was the lineup that Emo Odoka favored in the lineup that he used when he was there. Uh, I was ecstatic about it. Marcus smart said it's huge for us. And I was proud to have him on the court. And that just goes to show Joe's learning just like all of us. I know he's been killed a lot, rightfully so he needs to make some adjustments and he did that. And that's all you can ask for. Then there's more from Al Horford. I was excited. Horford said, I'm pretty happy Rob being out there. He just does so much for us defensively. And then Another one from Jalen Brown. It made a tremendous, tremendous difference and you could just see it, Jalen Brown said. It don't take a professional eye to see the difference that Rob made. Those comments from JB and from Marcus Smart are just brutally honest and very direct indictments of Joe Mazzula who at times during this playoff run has seemed a bit in over his head as far as being inexperienced, being a rookie head coach, obviously he was thrown into the fire and kind of dealing with everything they had to deal with in the aftermath of the Celtics losing Imei Odoka, but it just kind of goes to show the connection that those players had and, and how much, you know, what Ime did and the the approach that he took with that team mattered to those guys, and it clearly resonated with them. So... All of this stuff, all these narratives, all these storylines with the Boston Celtics are important to pay attention to because they could have direct ramifications further down the line for, again, a guy like Jalen Brown who might become available on the market either via trade or this one's a long shot now, again, getting to the 2024 free agency. I think that one is pretty much, that option is no longer probably on the table. And yeah, it's just, uh, there's a lot to monitor as far as the Celtics situation. Not only that, but clearly... Ime Odoke is a good coach. Like, I know there were some, maybe some concerns amongst some Rockets fans, you know, myself included, where I was like, I don't know, you know, how much how much of Ime, you know, how much of the Celtics success was Ime actually responsible for versus his assistants, versus the players, versus just luck, like all these different factors. Watching a better version of the Celtics team that Ime had with Brogdon and with a full season of Derek White, all these guys another year older. Watching this team struggle in the postseason without Udoka, it's evident he was the right, He was the guy that led that team to the finals. And without him, they might not even make it out of the second round, which is kind of crazy to think about. Coming up, want to tackle the flip side of this voice crack at the end of segment two. Love that for me we're going to tackle the flip side of this narrative from this series with the 76ers side of things. We'll touch base with James Harden very quickly, as well as getting to some news and notes here in the final segment, as well as some lottery preview stuff. We're going to get there in just one moment. And final segment here at locked on rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. So, Let's change gears here. We go from the Celtics side of things. We go to the Sixers side of things. So segment two was locked on Celtics. Segment three locked on Sixers. I kid, I kid. For those of you who want James Harden back in a Rockets jersey, the Sixers losing to the Celtics in game seven here in the second round would probably be a pretty strong indicator of James's desire to maybe leave Philly and and come back home to Houston, I I think that if things go south in Game 7, and if James Harden has a bad Game 7, which in elimination games, James is notoriously a bit suspect, unfortunately, if he has a disastrous Game 7 against the Celtics, then Sixers fans are going to blame Harden. Embiid is not necessarily untouchable in the eyes of Sixers fans, but he's also their MVP. He's the younger of the two. He's their superstar. James is the past his prime superstar. If James lays an egg in game seven, Sixers fans are going to cook him. And that would be the fastest way for an exodus for James Harden is to see an entire fan base turn against him, especially after how he carried the team in game one, carried them again later in the series. James Harden has showed up in big ways, multiple times this series against the Celtics. So, for all that to happen, if you do want James Harden back in a six or back in a Rockets jersey, I should say, you should be rooting for the Celtics to win in game seven of this second round series. But it's also worth noting that. If James Harden wins it all, if the Sixers make it out of the series and they go all the way and they win the title, I also think that is the other avenue where things make sense for a return to Houston. Because once James wins a ring, it's all he's missing. It's all he's missing on his career resume. Win a title, he's accomplished everything. And I don't necessarily see James as the type of guy who... Has that, it's not that he doesn't have the drive, but you know, once he gets that one ring, I think it's going to verify and, and kind of confirm uh, and validate a lot of his, basically his entire career to that point. And at that point, if James wins a ring, I feel like he's going to be more than content to ride off into the sunset, come back to Houston, come back to where his family lives, you know, come back to the nightlife, everything he loves about the city of Houston and ride off into the sunset while teaching these young guys how to play basketball. That's my two cents on how that narrative, that side of things could play out as far as the Sixers are concerned. So another, you know, another storyline to be paying attention to as we navigate these, these NBA playoffs this postseason uh, with the Houston Rockets. But a little bit of news and notes here in the final segment. So first off, uh, Jabari Smith, Jr., Just like Jalen Green a year ago after rocking jersey number zero for his rookie campaign because at the time Daniel House Jr. was still rocking number four. uh, Jalen Green switched it up and switched his jersey after his rookie campaign. Jabari Smith Jr. doing the exact same thing. So Jabari rocked number one for his rookie year. Now that Eric Gordon is no longer a member of the Houston Rockets, number 10 has been freed up. So Jabari is switching his jersey Back to jersey number 10. And, I, you know, we we put, could have probably seen this coming a mile away. NBA players aren't allowed to switch their jerseys mid-season. And even sometimes, they're not allowed to switch their jerseys depending on how many units have been made or produced um, by Nike. Uh, there was that whole situation a couple of years back where when LeBron first... Uh, when, when LeBron joined the Lakers originally AD was going to switch from 23 to a different number so that LeBron could have 23 back, I believe, instead of six. And he couldn't do it. Nike wasn't going to allow him to do it because they had already made so many LeBron jerseys with the number six, because clearly it's one of their most popular jerseys. So NBA jersey sales are a weird endeavor. But if you were the owner of a Jabari Smith Jr. number one jersey, that is now a collector's edition item. Uh, keep it safe. Hold it close to your heart because they're not being, they're not being made anymore. So I myself own a city edition Jalen Green zero jersey. Uh, I tried to get a Jabari Smith Jr. like throwback number one jersey and the rocket shop kind of messed me up in that regard. So that's a little bit disappointing, but it's worth noting Jabari Jersey number 10 next season. Aside from that, I want to get into a little bit of the lottery stuff here. Just a quick refresher for those of you who don't stare at the lottery, lottery simulator nearly as much as I do on a daily basis, which is probably not good for my mental health, but here we are as an organization, so kind of have to. The way the lottery works... Rockets have the 14 percent chance at landing the number one overall pick, and they've got descending percentage chances uh, past that at each other at each other potential pick in order, right? So they've got a 14 percent chance at pick number one, 13.4 percent chance at pick number two, 12.7 for pick number three, 12 percent chance for pick number four, a 27.8 percent chance at pick number five, and a 20 percent chance at pick number. Six. So those are the odds of where the Houston Rockets can land. So as far as Victor Weminyama and Scoot Henderson are concerned, twenty-seven point four percent chance for the Rockets to land one of those two guys on lottery night. Not great odds, unfortunately. Basically, we're talking a, a you know t- slightly more than a twenty-five percent chance, a quarter. If you flipped four quarters, those are like I don't know. A mat- math and percentages are stupid, but. What I do want to do here, as we're wrapping up today's episode, is run a different type of lottery simulator. Now, I do want to say, I do want to give a quick shout-out to, uh, I guess, Rosif, who DM'd this to me on Twitter. Shout-out, Rosif! You are an absolute legend from Australia, who sent me the Fanspo lottery simulator. So, not the Tankathon lottery simulator. And this one is a lot more... Dramatic is the word that I'm going to use. In fact, that's the word that they use on their website. So we're going to do a Fanspo lottery simulator instead of a Tankathon lottery simulator because it is a lot more nerve-wracking watching this one scroll across the page because it happens so much more slowly. So for our visual consumers of the program on youtube you'll be able to watch it in real time with me for our audio listeners i'll be calling out the picks as they happen because it happens a lot more slowly than a -a tankathon spin so here we go let's go ahead and pull this up and make sure i didn't break it awesome got it pulled up on the screen. So the lottery order is set up at the top of the page. So Detroit number one, Houston two, San Antonio three, Charlotte four, and so on and so forth down the pecking order. So we're going to go ahead and run a simulation here and see how our luck fares on today's episode. I will state ahead of time, I've been a lot more lucky with these spins than I have the tankathon spins. So I like this lottery simulator quite a bit more, but on that note, let's go ahead and run it up. And then afterwards, uh, I will make sure to let everybody know about what we're doing on lottery night if you'd like to come join us over at Rockets Watch. But with that, let's go ahead and spin this wheel and see how it turns out. Oh, I'm so nervous. All right, here we go. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Pelicans at 14. Toronto at 13. Oklahoma City at 12. No movement. Orlando at 11. 11. Dallas still at 10. Okay, no movement so far. Nothing shifting. Utah at nine. Washington at eight. Still no movement. That's a good sign for the Rockets. Indiana at seven. Orlando at six. Looking really good. San Antonio at five. Charlotte at four. It's looking great for Houston. Oh, 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 man. It was almost so perfect. Houston lands at number three. Detroit at number two. And Portland was the team that jumped up into the lottery, into the top four, and they win the Victor Wimbenyama sweepstakes. Oh, this one is... This spin... Th- this lottery simulator is so much more nerve-wracking because it just rolls out in real time. And it's so—it's not quite as slow as the actual lottery night with the revealing of the cards and the announcements of the picks and all that. But it adds a little bit more anxiety to the equation, unfortunately. And on that note, I'll, I'll, I'll run one more. We'll do one more. We usually only do one per episode, but I'll i will sp- spin it one more time. We'll see what happens. <sighs> okay. Pelicans at 14. Raptors at 13. So no shifting yet. No shifting is good for the Rockets. OKC at 12. Orlando at 11. Dallas still at 10. No shifting. That's very good. As long as those teams don't jump up, that's good for Houston. Oh, Indiana at 9. Orlando at 8. We've got a shift. We've got at least two teams shifted. San Antonio at 7. Houston at 6. Oh, oh, this was a bad spin. Oh, this is a really bad spin. Detroit's all the way down at 5. We had four teams if Detroit lands at five, it means four different teams jumped into the top four. Charlotte is number one, Washington, number two, Portland, number three, and Utah, number four. Oh, what an ugly simulation. I am so sorry, guys. You know what? This one was doing, this one was was working really well for me over at Rockets Watch, and clearly I did something wrong here. Maybe it's just, L, maybe LOR is just cursed. I'm so sorry. On that note, Lottery is right around the corner. If you would like to join us, we're going to be hosting the lottery live over at Rockets Watch. You can watch it and react in real time with other Rockets fans. Come celebrate or mourn with us, depending on what happens with the with the Rockets pick this year. Come hang out with us. The links to Rockets Watch are all in my bio on Twitter, and, and there's links to it in the episode descriptions as always. So come check it out. Uh... Should be a ton of fun. You can either come celebrate with us if we get Wimbanyama or cry and mourn with us if the pick lands somewhere around you know, five or six near the bottom and the worst case outcomes if you're the Houston Rockets. But on that note, as always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app. Free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also available on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Drop your prediction for the NBA draft lottery. Give us your prediction in the YouTube comments. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.